there's a repetitive pattern here where folks are really struggling with extremely young dogs. And the bottom line is you just have to put the work in. You got to be patient. You got to keep going. You're not going to make giant steps in progress in dog training ever. All right, guys, welcome back. Another episode of podcast. Just got done recording a podcast earlier today. Pretty excited about it. Teamed up with a couple people on it. Um, I, I'll share more on it in the future, but we have been intentionally posting quite a few short videos regarding hold conditioning. We've got this project that we've been working on. Ben and Logan have been working on it. It's something that's very close. Um, I think within a few weeks, we're going to be able to share more on it, but it's jogged a bunch of memories because we've, we've been reviewing a lot of content that we've done over the years regarding delivery. That kind of spurred to conversations about force fetch. One of the things that I have found is some of our TikTok stuff that does well is uh, oftentimes, I don't want to call it controversial because I don't think it's that's the right word, but it kind of toes the line a little bit of people's opinions. And I have come to find that debating on social media is not... Um, it's just not productive. It, they're just not, the platforms are not, not built for it. It's short, it's short text form. You really can't thoroughly explain things. Uh, the content itself is oftentimes out of context. We get a lot of feedback on hold conditioning versus force fetch types situations. And it's not always specifically that scenario, but along those lines. And so one of the things that I have done is I'm just more interested in um, discussing it more thoroughly. And that's something that we, we did here today. It's something that you'll hear about in coming weeks, but we, we worked with another group on that. But today I'm going to jump into just straight up questions on Instagram. Uh, this one, he says, Hey, good morning. My name is Trev out of, I don't know how to say his last name exactly. So I won't even try to butcher it, but out of Alberta, Canada. Um, Got a quick question, if you don't mind. I recently picked up a puppy from another breeding that's a British field line, and the breed, and the breed, I think he's meant breeder, said this line is very sensitive. Well, that is an understatement. This girl is 12 weeks old and not scared or shy of anything, but when I went to discipline her for crapping in the living room, she acted like I was going to kill her, screaming and doing everything she could to get away. I don't hit or belittle my dogs in any way. I rushed over, picked her up, and said no. And as she took off, I grabbed her to pick her up. Anyway, that what would approach would you take? I just got her yesterday. I've been feeding her by hand, and she trusts me, but extremely sensitive. He said that the dog was very sensitive. And so I'm rereading this because this is the first time I've read it, actually. But So here's my thoughts on it. Your, your question is, how would I handle that situation? I'm probably not correcting the dog that went to the bathroom in the living room if it's already in the living room and it's already gone to the bathroom. I think you missed the opportunity. Um, I also think, so that's an initial timing thing. Like you can't correct a dog after they do something and expect them to understand what you're correcting them for. So that's just a, a sequential thing. It's not necessarily addressing the sensitivity factor. I'll, I'll go even further on that. Um, I don't think that you, I look at it as, man, when we want to correct dogs, 
maybe the first thing we should think of is what are we correcting and why are we correcting it? Um, it's maybe just a bigger picture thing that helps you take a step back rather than uh, just, just reacting to situations. If the dog went to the bathroom in the house, rarely, if ever, and maybe the answer is never, do I blame the dog for that? It's not their fault. Um, so if the dog, especially at 12 weeks old, and especially if you just got the dog, um, the, the responsibility lies on me as the trainer and the handler and the owner and the roommate, if you will, with this dog. Like you just brought this dog in. It's your responsibility to establish the routine to make sure that you set your dog up for success. If the dog fails, it's your fail. 99.9999% of the time. So I think that how would I handle it? I would have said, well, when was the last time I fed the dog? When is the last time I took the dog out and it went to the bathroom in conjunction or in relation to right now? And then I'd say, well, I'm not making that mistake again. So I would say I wouldn't correct the dog. Now, now to your point of the idea of the dog being sensitive, it says you went to discipline her for crapping in the living room and she acted like you were going to kill her, screaming and doing everything she could to get away. Well, that tells me that, you know, the guy was right when he said that it's a very sensitive line of dogs. I don't mind that personally. I think what it does is it tells you that your level of correction needs to be less. Dog doesn't take that much, so don't give it that much. I think sometimes we get used to how we do things with dogs and then we insert dogs into the equation and expect them all to respond accordingly. And that's, I think, the furthest thing from the truth. They're all different. So, and then and the, and here's the real curveball for you. They're all different and they're all going to change daily, if not hourly, if not maybe by the minute. So as it is your job to build their confidence, it is their, your job to build their trust. It is your job to develop a connection and a feel with them and an understanding of how to read them and, and allow them to understand how to read you. And I think what you can do there is be consistent. That makes it easier on them. Like don't be Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I think that is an issue that I see with some training. I'm guilty of it at times myself where I go to extremes, whether it be super, super high praise or super high pressure. Again, all relative terms. But when you go from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde, that's confusing. Imagine yourself in a relationship with someone who you just, they, they turn on a dime. They can be an asshole one minute and then they can be just the nicest, sweetest person the next. I, I always look at that and I go, man, that's hard to trust. So I think that we have to try to figure out ourselves how to be somewhere in the middle as well. So that's, that's the answer to that. That I, I wouldn't correct that. I would correct myself and say, how can I avoid this going forward? I've got another question here we're going to get into. Hey, I've got a question for you. I've been following your Bella Be Good playlist. I've got a puppy that's about 20 weeks old. She's pretty similar to where Bella is at that time. The biggest thing I'm not sure what to do is when she makes retrieves, she'll bring it back to me. And when I make her hold it, she will chomp and chew on the bumper pretty aggressively. It's even worse with a pheasant wing. I don't want to discourage her in any way when she brings it back to me. I'm not sure what to do about it. Um, so Brooks, it's hard for me to answer that without seeing it. That's, that's one thing. Um, secondly, I would, this is a question I have out of curiosity. What kind of bumper are you using? You call it out here that she will chomp and chew on the 
bumper pretty aggressively. I'd be curious to see what kind you're using. If you're using a rubber one, I'd get rid of it. I, I just can't tell you how many times I see bad mouth behavior come from rubber dummies, uh, plastic dummies. They just, I just think they are the, an absolute pitfall for retrievers when it comes to developing a bad mouth. And I think this is, this kind of all relates back to a conversation that I had earlier today regarding, um, force fetch and hold conditioning. And we went into some pretty deep stuff there, but I feel like creating the issues from the start is potentially the biggest trip up or downfall that we have as trainers. So at 20 weeks old, if I'm doing my math right, you got a five month old pup you probably got the pup at two months old, so you've only had it for three months. I can tell you right now, well, I can't tell you right now because I don't, I guess I haven't gone back on it. I'm quite certain that I wasn't doing feathered dummies with Bella at five months old. I bet you Bella at five months old had probably made less than, oh, she might have made 30 to 50 retrieves. And we're talking like repetitions. So, if you, if I, if my memory serves me right, I made very few retrieves of that young dog because she was really good at it. Uh, and there wasn't a whole bunch of benefit to doing lots of repetition. I'm quite certain I wasn't doing feathered dummies with her. And if I was, it was because she was doing so well with her mouth, which I don't think she had a really nice mouth, but I just don't think that I was doing it. So it sounds like it intensifies when you add feathers to it. She becomes chompy and chewy. Well, it sounds like you've given her, the dog thinks you're probably giving it a, a chew, uh, and then when you put the feathers on it, it's a flavored chew. And so I would, I would be, I would not have the feathers on that. I don't know that there's a lot of value in having feathers on a, on a, on a dummy for a, a five month old pup. I go to feathers when the dog needs to start using its eyes more than its nose. No, it's nose more than its eyes. I'm backwards on that. Uh, I want it to be a little bit more camouflaged in and I want it to have a little more scent to it. So I'm going to start using it in cover, uh, making it harder for them to see it but they have to use their nose to get it. I'm going to make sure that they have got a good mouth before I'm going to put feathers on it. Um, so, in, and I'm probably getting a lot, I'm probably using that a lot later prior to like a cold game introduction. So I'll use a feather dummy before I'll use a cold, cold frozen bird. No reason to be doing that at five months old. So I think you're a little bit ahead of where I probably would be. And I think this is interesting because a lot of times when it comes to um, questions and struggles that folks are running into with their dogs, I, I see that it relates back to their, their progression. They're just, they're just almost always a lot further along. The problem that they're having is a problem that's further along than, or, or, or created by something that's further along than where I would normally be with a dog of that age. And you guys know as well as I do, I don't, I don't age base much on age or time to begin with. So at, at five months old, you're having retrieving issues that you're reaching out to me on. My question is, where's your heel work? Where's your recall? Where's your steadiness as far as like a remote sit? Um, where's your place training? That kind of stuff. Because I would say for the first three months of my dog's training, 90% or more of our effort is on those things. The retrieving, I probably am making, I'm, I am making retrieves with young dogs, but I'm doing it on a really, really limited basis. And it's simply to bring out the natural retrieve. It's not to really create a whole bunch of advanced or challenging or difficult retrieving type scenarios. 
and you're adding, you know, you're adding. So right off the bat, if your dog is chomping and chewing, I'm going to stop retrieving. And instead, I'm going to work on the delivery part. So every retrieve is an opportunity for your dog to deliver it properly. So when the dog brings it in, he's chomping and chewing. Nope, nope, nope. We're going to firm up on it. We're going to take the dummy out. I might put share the dummy back to the dog. Let them hold on to it. If they go to if they go to chewing on it, ah, 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 no, ma'am, no, sir. And then I'm going to get underneath it and I'm going to hold it nicely for them, underside of their chin. And I'm going to I'm going to literally shape how they should hold the dummy in that moment. And then I'm going to tell them how good they are. And then I'm going to put it back in their mouth. We'll do it again. And then I'll put it back in their mouth and we'll do it again. And we'll swap it back and forth so that it becomes every time they've got the dummy in their mouth in front of me, they're holding it properly, meaning it's centered, it's balanced. They got the right amount of pressure on. They're not dropping it and they're not chomping on it. And then I'm taking it from them. And so I'm going to work on that part of the retrieve because when you look at a retrieve, Retrieve can be broken down into lots of steps. Some dogs struggle going out to the dummy. Some dogs struggle picking up the dummy. Some dogs struggle coming back with the dummy. Some dogs struggle with the delivery of the dummy. So you don't, it sounds like you got everything going pretty good. I'm just assuming based on what your question is until you get back and then it starts the chomping and the, and the heavy mouth, hard mouth on it. So take all that other stuff away don't have that be part of the equation and just work on the part, break this thing down and work on the part that's not working, fix it first, and then connect it back into the chain of events here and make sure that the behavior transfers. So once you get that mouth fixed at close range, make it be two or three steps, make it be five to 10 steps, make it be 15 to 20 steps, then might maybe add in a the idea of you get to go make the retrieve and bring it back. As soon as you run, if you run into an issue, you went too fast. So I right now is beautiful time, five months old, beautiful time to be shaping the delivery before you ever have to do anything formal. And it's, and it's, it's, this is a puppy, five months old is just a really little puppy. And so mentally, we're not going to put a ton of pressure on them physically or mentally. And so the number of retrieves, I would be willing to bet a lot, um, I would be willing to bet that you likely are making a lot more retrieves than I would recommend. How I would ask you a question, how often are you retrieving? Because if it's me and the dog understands what retrieve is, like it was been bred to be a retriever, it goes out and picks stuff up and it brings it back. That That's inherent. We didn't train the dogs to do that. If that is the case, I'm going to say my dogs might make three retrieves per session twice a week. That's six retrieves per week. So let me run the numbers on that. Six retrieves per week, four times a month would be 24. And three times 24 would be 72. So I think I said that um, Bella probably made 50 retrieves is what I think I said in the beginning. She probably made closer to 72-ish, somewhere around there. So my point with that is if you're retrieving too much and creating an issue and not fixing it, you're going to end up with a big headache in a few months. So stop it now. Fix it now. Um, I'll send you a message uh, that we talked about this on the podcast. And you'll be able to listen to it there. Let's see. I got one more here. It says, hi, Jeremy. I have a six and a half month old lab. Wilson. We've been determined from the start to train him to be a bird dog. I recently stumbled across your training videos on YouTube. I wish I would have found you sooner. We've made so many mistakes. We started out with sit, come, and stay. He had that down and we continued off leash. He did great. And then he didn't. He retrieved to us and then he didn't. He runs circles and wants to play keep away. 
I have been so frustrated and then I found your videos. We stopped retrieving and now we're just working on heal in place. He does place quite well. He's never been food oriented unless it was a mouse or rabbit he caught on his own. We gave him too much free time. He's getting better at healing. We've been working on this for about a week. He now heals for the most part without correction until a distraction comes along. Any thoughts on how we can train out all the bad behaviors we did, we have allowed? Do you have a series? And then it's, then it's cut off. So first off, the good news is at six and a half months, I think a lot of times, this is really interesting to me because the last person who had a five month old dog, this one's a six and a half month old dog. I, I would be interested to see like of all the questions I get, how many of them are, are just puppies that are just so young. And there's nothing wrong with, with that. It's just interesting to me because what I think we need to understand is like when they're that young, <laughs> you, you all, first off, they're very like fixable. You can recover from that pretty easily because quite honestly, think about it. You've got the dog when it was two months old. You've only had it for four months. You've only had it for three months at a five month old dog. So you can't do it. You can't screw a dog up hardly if you try to like, now, can it happen? Sure it can, but you really almost have to try to. So that and that I, I would say that is part of our motivating factor for why we do as much as we do as far as trying to share content. Like it's intentional. It's easier from the beginning. But if you only do if you've only had the dog for three or four months, they're so moldable yet. So I think, you know, at six and a half months old here, Nancy, you you recognize your issues. I think you're doing the right thing. Stop trying to move forward when you recognize the the trains off the tracks and instead stop assess the situation almost always the answer is going to be go back go back because what's happening is is the dog is telling you there are holes in this training and when the dog tells you there's holes you have to fill them in so what you're doing is going back it sounds like you're working on heel work it says we've been working on this for about a week I work on heel work for I work on heel work for months. Months. And I take it one day at a time. And some days we progress and some days we go back. Most of the time we're usually moving forward. If I do a good job and I'm patient, we're usually moving forward. The times that we that I have like I can I mean I have I have run into issues with dogs every single time. Every dog I train, I run into issues at some point. Nothing ever goes 100% smooth. But for me, I've gotten so used to and understanding and comfortable with the idea that I'm going to run into issues. That's just part of it. I, I don't, I'm not afraid of it. Sometimes I embrace it, the idea, because I actually believe that sometimes making mistakes or having struggles are the best opportunities for the dogs to learn. Like you, you, if the dog always makes the right choice, are they really understanding it? Are you really teaching them? Is it really becoming a habit or are they just guessing right every time? Like that happens too. And it becomes, it creates a false sense of security for a lot of people. They'll do it right twice and then they move on to the next thing. And then they realize dog just was lucky the first two times, pick the right thing, flip the coin and it landed, called it both times. That's not training. And then if you move on from it, it becomes in more, even more incomplete training. So a bunch of half put together parts and pieces will never equal a whole picture. 
So we have to realize like, you got a six and a half month old dog. Yeah, you recognize some of the mistakes you made early. Just go back and fix them. That means heel work, instead of taking three, four, five months, might take six, seven, eight months. What the hell's the rush? Where do you, where's the fire? Where do you got to go? You're training it yourself. So just take your time, fill the holes in. And then once the holes get filled in, what is really kind of interesting is a lot of times, and I see this a lot. I saw this with my, my Makina dog that I trained this last year, or I still am training, but I hunted with her um, at a relatively young age. That That's the setter that I had. And she did really well. And I kept giving her opportunities and she did really well with them. For the most part, she did great. But occasionally she ran into some issues and, and it was just, you know, what there was plenty of opportunities where I scratched my head and I went, Jesus, what the hell's going on here? What, what has happened to this dog? Well, then wait a week or two, come back the next weekend and we go back out hunting and she, she does a lot better. Some of that stuff, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how many opportunities I gave her, didn't click until she just got to a certain point of maturity. So it didn't hurt me necessarily to continue to try to give her opportunities, but it certainly didn't help either. And to be honest, there are a lot of times with dogs that I train that I just get so fixated on, I need to do this. I need to accomplish this. We need to get this done. That I focus on it. I work on it. I, I obsess over it. And I, we got to fix it. Oh, that didn't work. So I try something else. That didn't work. So I try something else. And I'm a believer in that. If it doesn't work, don't keep doing it. Change something. So there have been times where I, I, it's not working. So I do try this. It's not working. Try it. And then it, then, then what almost always happens is I remember, geez, I remember when I tried doing this, this, and this with that dog and it didn't work. And so I just took a break and I went and worked on something else completely different. And then I came back to it and it might be a week later. It might be two weeks later. It might be a month later, two months later. It doesn't, it, I don't know what it's going to be, but I come back to it and all of a sudden it sticks and we move on. Well, what happened? I don't know exactly what happened, but I know what I know what took place is there was time. Whether the dog matured, whether it just gave the dog time to reset, mentally something happened. Maybe I maybe I looked at it and realized, you know what, there's missing there's missing parts and pieces in the middle here and I got to go work on those. And they weren't necessarily directly related, but once those things were there, then all of a sudden this part worked too. So my point with all of this is when you're talking six and a half month old dogs, five month old dogs, eight month old dogs, 12 month old dogs, there's not a hell of a lot of time in between the two month window when you start working with them and any of those aforementioned numbers. So a lot of times I think we think about it really at the wrong scale when it comes to dogs. I This is a conversation that I had with um, Jerry Coulter uh, where I got Makina from and it was cha it changed my attitude on things just recently had a really good conversation with him about a few things and one of them was some of the progress that we're making and some of the things that I'm thinking about implementing or trying to put into the dog during kind of our off season quote unquote between the fall and spring because I'm going to run her in some grouse trials and so I was talking to him about putting some some things into place and 
one of the, through that conversation, it was, I don't know, pretty long conversation, but one of the points that was made was that he made was, you know, I think one of the things that people miss mistakenly, they get caught up in is this, this time thing. And I, I hell, I, 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 I get on the soapbox all the time about that. And here I am listening to him tell me it. And I'm going, boy, you need to listen to your own advice sometimes. I, I, why, why did it take, but that's what it took. It took me hearing it from someone else to recognize, which I'm real grateful for. But so he told me, he said, you know, these dogs, these bird dogs, you know, it's a three to four year pro project. It's really, a, really before you're going to have a lot of ups and downs. You're going to have a lot of good things that happen. And then you have things that aren't so good and you're going to have some good things that happen. But it's, you know, it's a three to four year process. And I'm sitting there going three to four years. Hell, she's only 15. At the time, she was 15 months old. Barely over a year. I'm not even halfway there. So to think about it in that, from from that perspective, I look at it and I go, well, man, I'm probably way ahead of where I where I necessarily could or should be. So enjoy it a little bit. So this, that, we're talking about dogs that are literally less than half that age in this mess in these messages so i'm not discouraging you guys from reaching out with them but i am calling attention to the idea of there's a there's a repetitive pattern here where folks are really struggling with extremely young dogs and the bottom line is you just have to put the work in and be patient maybe that's the more important part of this you gotta be patient you gotta keep going it's not gonna happen every day it's not going to happen. You're not going to make giant steps in progress in dog training ever. There are those few moments or there, maybe not even a few, but there are moments along the way where like light bulbs turn on and you go, oh man, these great, great turning points. And, and that's great. Use, use it. Enjoy it. Um, I'm not, I'm not trying to take away from that at all, but the big, the over, Whelming amount of time that you have with your dog is going to be very slow and tortoise-like. That story of the tortoise and the hare, it's very tortoise-like. But it wins the race. I, I can't wait for this recording that we did earlier today because there were some moments in it. There, there were lots of different moments that I thought were real good. But one of them was very clear that there's a difference in mindset in some people when it comes to the amount of time and how we measure that in importance when it comes to developing dogs. And I am a 100% believer. I can't, I'm a, a lot of works of, of, that I've had my fingers on, whether they be articles or columns for gun dog podcasts, whatever workshops, um, different content pieces that we've done. I really feel that, it can't be stated enough how important it is to understand that this, this is not a race. We, we, we can't look at it that way. Because if you do, you're going to have issues. Like that, the, it's never the person that sends me the questions that goes, I've just been extremely patient and put a lot of time into this and given it, given it a lot of opportunity. Like <laughs> that's not the person that reaches out with problems. That's a, so that's a, that's something that I see as a pattern. The ones who run into the issues are the ones who are struggling with 
trying to go too fast. And they don't even realize it most of the time. So, uh, let's see, that one, I don't know. It's, oh, I never hit record on my recording. So, Ben, you're going to have to see if you can use the audio. Oh, I just made a huge mistake, guys. I never hit my record button. Uh, I'm hoping that Ben will be able to get this uh, to you guys using the audio off the GoPro. Um, I appreciate you guys in your support. Thank you for that. Um, if you like these, do me a favor. If you would rate it, not all podcasts have ratings, but if you could rate it and, and give it um, any type of comment, it would really help us with both feedback and then it all, I, I look at them. And then it would also um, be helpful with us being able to help other people. Like that, that ultimately is our goal with everything we're doing here. So uh, it allows for us to be able to grow it better in, in a way that more people will be able to find it. So best of luck to you guys in your training. I really hope the audio worked on this one. I'm going to have to talk to Ben about it. Wonder Boy can fix anything.